Part two weekly update for the stock market uh, includes discussion of outside markets like Bitcoin, dollar, a uh, bit of the economy, <clears throat> fundamental news, and where we're going for interest rates, crude oil, and whatnot. I'm Rich Boss for Critical Point. It's 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, January 11th. Let's begin with uh, an indicator that is put out uh, by a company over in the Netherlands. And uh, it's an index of global trade. And I think we can use this along with our decade-long or juggler business cycle uh, in terms of boom-bust, if you will. All right. So what we have is, notice this is one of the decade-type business cycles. Recession right there, globally and U.S. And then there's another one. We've started another one. So towards the end of the decade, we'll probably get a recession. Now, you can have other types of recessions along the way, but they're usually not as important. Okay. Now, also notice, though, uh, the pace of this index slowed over time, and I'm forecasting it'll slow again. I don't view that as a negative thing. We're still going to have large volumes of global trade or business. But I'm wondering, is it coasting into something more important towards the end of the decade or over the next few decades that could lead to something more significant? Or do we also someday get into some kind of stagnation for the economy, even if we don't have much downside? But for the moment, it looks like we want to be optimistic and bullish this decade for global trade. Now, inside of this, I think we've got <clears throat> a level uh, LT3 business cycle. And I think it probably bottomed last year, but I have another scenario saying no bottom there, therefore it shouldn't bottom to this year. So I don't know if we're going to get more downside in this index first before moving higher this decade, but I don't think that's going to give us a problem for the overall economy and the stock market. Um, and if it trades above last year's high for this index, I think we're on our way for higher. For the moment, I don't see anything negative out of this. It's not necessarily that supportive right now, and it is reflecting the global economy is growing slower uh, or not as fast as the U.S. The U.S. is the leader uh, for growth and very good growth. It's a big difference between the U.S. and the rest of the world. But I think the rest of the world is gearing up. I think it's catching on. Now, this is the PMI indicator I created from PMI, I should say, and I call it the econ indicator, in other words, the economy. And what it does is it eliminates a lot of the intra-year and uh, fluctuation and helps us see the better trend of PMI. It also helps us see the major business cycle of once a decade we get a recession, and that's the R's and the J's or the juggler business cycle bottoming at those recessions. Therefore, J... Uh, a cur top occurred ahead of it, and that's your peak economy leading to a problem. Well, um, the forecast is we won't get into a problem to the end of this decade. And so these bears that are constantly telling us to sell stocks, they've been wrong since 2020. Economists, most economists have been wrong. A lot of articles coming out, they're going to be talking about this for a year now, of just how bad the economists got it, that they thought we were going to be in a recession. And I correctly forecast, yes, we're going to have a bear market in 2022 for stocks, but the stock market would be up in 2023. And it was all of that work. And now I say it'll be up in 2024. But um, I also said, we'll have some economic indicator scariness at times, but we're not going to have a recession in 2022 on into 2024. And I don't see it. Now, maybe we'll get something of one like in 2025. We'll see. 
Uh, but overall, I don't see any significant major problem. And I think these bears are just going to be wrong and wrong and wrong. Now, if they're clever enough, if the stock market wants to back off 20% and then go to a record high, and they're clever enough to get caught up and they see what they want, then it could be somewhat right. But uh, I just, at this point now, I'm very disgusted with uh, economists, market economists, and market analysts who are on the bearish side and just trying to scare everybody and cause problems for their retirement, for their investments, okay? Can't go there. This trend looks good. It's backed off, and it's going to start to turn up. And the reason I think it's going to turn up is this is the monthly line chart of PMIs. Now, I did switch to the services. For decades, my affiliates told me, why do you bother when manufacturing services is the largest group or at least use a combination? But it worked well for me all those years. But the manufacturing is a bit weird right now, and they're a weird group of people. Sorry if I just offended someone. Don't care, okay? Um, that indicator will catch on just fine. Everything will be just fine. I flipped over the services, so it created a bigger up move than this because services never really went into recession territory. Manufacturing did. I think manufacturing had a secondary recession, but not a true recession. And then that was just a component of the U.S. economy, so the U.S. economy never even went into a secondary recession. Nowhere's close to anything of a recession, okay? So the services are a better leader in telling us the true picture. And yes, they did recently back off, but that's normal entry or fluctuation. I think this indicator does well this year. But also keep in mind, this indicator will probably stall out now for the rest of this decade in a range. And when it's above 50, the economy's growing. When it's below 50, the economy's slipping backwards. When it's down to 45, the economy's in a recession. But I need to see that decade-long business cycle as actually negative to really believe it's a true recession, okay, and to be concerned about it. So you can have fake outs when it goes below 50, maybe down to 45. If the stock market comes down, it could be a buy the dip moment. You're going to find out later it was not a recession. That business just got carried away, okay. So I think this looks constructive. This looks good. Uh, this is something to consider uh, that these regions of the world actually have uh, – they comprise 50% of the world's GDP. So most of the world just does so-so to not good at all. All right? Fascinating. So think what would happen if instead of letting more and more billionaires get richer and richer and richer, and somehow we could pump more money through the rest of the world along with the other developed nations, not by ourselves. Uh, we don't need to be a charity. But if we could just convince the other world to get something like us, not entirely like us, because I'm not liking us right now, and I don't particularly care for our capitalistic free market system that needs to change, and it will change. But um, I think, uh, you know, we could create a tremendous global economy that would actually be a feedback loop to us to create even a better economy for us. It's just fascinating structure. Okay, uh, this is some of the balances um, actually, that's the wrong indicator. That's something else I'm working on. Let's ignore that. It has to do with certain types of investors, what they probably made and done and what they invested in recent years and converts it to more of an individual average and stance. But I'm not too sure what I'm concluding from all of that. Um, then this is another chart of someone was trying to prove what's going on with breadth. The stock market's still trying to get back to, um, this is the New York Stock Exchange advanced declines. 
and then this is the S&P 500. It's just starting to get ready to punch to a record high. They're a little concerned this is lagging a little bit for the Vans decline, but I have other people pumping out other research on this to actually show it's better than that. And even when they look at this one, they say, no problem here. There's more money coming in. The market's broadening out. That's an indication of a long-term bull market. This is the NAAIM uh, index. I'm a little bit behind updating this. I want to see if it rebounded some. Uh, a lot of people were concerned when it was this high, we were going to get a big sell-off, lengthy sell-off, because that's what happened last time. They're looking at it incorrectly, and this is really not all that predictive. It's basically just tracking the market. But it is the more active money managers, and they did this abrupt turn just because they got nervous. There was too many of them turning bullish too fast. I think they got shocked when they saw this. And there was other factors as well. They also wanted to take profits at the end of the year into this year. And yes, the stock market responded, but I think this is going to be stable. I don't think this is going to give us a negative problem. I think it's going to rebound somewhat, but it might not get as strong. And I'm okay with that. The stock market can still be quite strong uh, without it. I think if you're, you got to be cautious, even NAIM makes a comment that this is not a predictive tool. It's just telling you, what are they up to? Okay. And I'm not seeing that big downturn as anything negative. They're, they're going to be continuing to buy stocks, but they're trade. Some of them are traders. They're going to move in and out along the way. Okay. A little something on global warming that can definitely impact our economy, positive and negative. And the net result may very well be uh, negative. Just something I'm going on with other types of analysis. And I do do climate change super cycles. Here's something that if you're a trader and investor, you want to be an interest in. Um, most people focus too much on their um, how they work for what do they use to invest. And they, they focus too much on analysis. 50% of the game is how you manage your money, and that may not have anything to do with how you do your analysis. It's how much you buy, how little you sell, how do you flip-flop back and forth, <coughs> and then how do you manage the risk. And risk management almost always has a cost to it and will make some mistakes along the way and hold you back at times. But if you don't use it, you might get hammered, okay? <laughs> so at any rate, uh, interesting psychology and education going on here uh, by various people trying to help traders and investors. Winter uh, heating expenses here doesn't mean anything to the economy and stock market right now. It's more of a commodity thing and more of a personal interest of where I think things are going for expenses. Global Innovation Index. I think it's kind of fascinating what country crank out more, more aggressive little quantitative research. You have to be careful with some of this quantitative research. People are just saying, okay, if it did this X amount of time and at a certain time over a certain number of years, what was the output? And some of this will fall in line actually with cyclical behavior of the market and fall in line with my models. So it can provide some insight, but they put out so much of this that, you know, it just doesn't always work. So be cautious of that. And then let's have a discussion on the seasonal side. The five-day measurement, meaning what did the market do the first five days? Uh, they're saying it didn't work well enough, and that can be a negative for this month, maybe a little bit of a negative for the year. I don't have much faith in it. I don't believe it. I'm not using it. Now, they also have the January barometer that says, if basically January's up, you're probably going to have a good year. If it's down, you're not going to have a good year. I don't have a lot of faith in that either. Uh, but I think it's going to turn out to be an up year month. And I'm going with the, with the indication of that. 
but I, I think the better seasonal is the stock market normally goes up from October and at least May, if not in June, July, maybe even August. And then it's down in August, September, maybe in October. And then it starts all over again. That's your annual seasonal. I think that's the best seasonal right now. But these seasonal people can break things down where they can tell you on average, will it be an up day, down day? Okay. An up week, down week, an up week, uh, month, and so forth. They can fill it in along the way. But how well does it work? The business cycle, I think, is far smarter at that because the business cycle is looking at all the different business cycles that create these trends by the minute to the month to the year when these seasonals are actually averaging all that stuff and coming up with a blend. And, you know, an average really isn't that useful of information, okay? And this is probably the third week I've shown this, but I agree with it, our Garandini and all these bullets of how things are going to go uh, for the economy. All right. Um, I think that's all I've got for some of the fundamental information. I didn't give the charts on the inflation. The 0.3% is actually within a normal range the past several decades. So I can't get that excited about it. The 3.4%, a little discouraging that it ticked up. But I think the overall trend is down and inflation was transitory and the economy was not hurt by inflation. And I don't think the Federal Reserve fixed inflation like it believes. I'm, I'm fine with them jumping them down and saying, oh, they were great and wonderful and it all worked. But I think you and I in the free market system economy fixed the inflation and the uh, fixing of the supply chain helped. But also we as consumers in social media beating up on companies of making even more money out of inflation. We said, bad, 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 cut your prices. And we did our best to hold back in the stores and that helped. In addition, though, I don't think the Federal Reserve uh, increased inflation the way it did on money printing the way everybody thinks. I think we got to blame business and especially big business uh, basically raked us over the cold. They ripped us off and increased that inflation. But super cycles were warning. Things were just too cheap for too many years and interest rates way too cheap for too many years. And it was just time to correct that. And it did it and it would not have mattered who was president. Okay. But the inflation actually started up under Trump. Then it went up even more under Biden. But am I convinced? No, I'm convinced no president should be blamed for starting. It was going to happen anyways. Uh, it was the mechanics of the machine, and no president could probably stop it. Uh, but Biden did some good things to help. But again, it's you and I that brought this inflation down, and then somewhat the Federal Reserve, and somewhat the government, and some of their actions. And I think inflation continues road here, and I don't think it's going to bother us this year, but it can have bumps in the road that might uh, scare us at times. Okay, I just checked on the stock market, and the S&P 500 is up like two points. Okay, so, so far it's shrugged off the CPI inflation report. And so I'm sticking with the weekly update I did a few minutes ago uh, on the stock market forecast. Uh, I think everything's okay. All right, uh, dollar index is due to top if it hasn't topped already. And I didn't put a, um, I think the model is looking for a bottom late February into March. I think it just stalls out here. And I've revised my long-term research saying I don't particularly care uh, what the long-term trend is this year. It can be up, it can be down. I think what we're looking at is more sideways movement and maybe very wide. At times it could be narrow. I don't think there's a real clue of where we're going from there. I think this is just a trader's uh, market and I'm okay with that. I think that's supportive of the economy, the global economies and supportive of the stock market. I'm okay with it. And even if it spikes quite a bit, I don't think it's going to be much of a problem for the stock market. All right, uh, gold market. 
Now, this one can be bullish this year on into next year, but I think just, it might also be somewhat like the dollar. It just may move sideways, but I think maybe with a more upward bias, a chance for that, maybe more than the dollar. And I think it's just a trader's market, but I do see a chance for an upward bias. I don't see anything significantly lower for gold until 2025 and maybe a bit later. Okay. However, I do think this is a level two bottom, level two top. The market's moving higher in level one, but it's already acting sloppy. And that's what's encouraged me to think, you know, even if gold knocks out record highs, it's not going to be like, go, go, go. This is not the energizer bunny type of market. I think central banks can support gold and continue to buy, but I don't know how to time or know when they're going to do it. But that may be the only additional demand here. I think people just want to own some gold so long as they're making money in stocks just to, just to make them feel better. And then I do think there might be some buying of geopolitical risk just to make them feel better uh, to protect themselves. But I don't think there's anything great going on with the gold market demand. All right, this is Bitcoin finally exploded. They finally got their ETF business uh, worked out there. And it is heading higher into a level two top. And my guess is it will head higher still into April, May for a level one top. And the long-term bull market's intact. And I forecast in February of last year to be long-term bullish last year, even though at times I had my doubts and concerns. Um, but I don't think this is a bull market that lasts all of this year. I think a top's coming uh, this year in Bitcoin. Let's move over to the crude oil market. I think this is coasting into a level one bottom. I think it's going to bounce into a level one top in January into Feb. But I don't think it's moving up by major amounts. And then I think it backs off a little. I think what it's really doing is establishing a floor price. And it's going to move sideways for a while. But I do think by summer, or at least by spring, we could see oil up somewhat. And in line with gasoline, but gasoline can stay up longer than oil. I don't see any major up move in crude oil. And I don't think it's going to cause us any problems economically unless it goes above $95. So I can allow for a nice bull run here for traders. But I don't think it's going to cause any problems for our economic forecast. I don't think it's going to cause any problems uh, for the stock market. And at this price level, this is fantastic for the consumer, for our economy. And uh, and therefore supportive of stock market. Now, I didn't put this in the weekly update for the stock market, but this is the NASDAQ ratio. And I think it is going to move up that the NASDAQ will do better than the S&P 500, but only somewhat better. I think the S&P 500 is waking up now. And I think all the major stock indexes are going to do well this year. And I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Even though I went over the interest rates uh, and the uh, weekly update for stock market uh, with this sort of part two update here, I want to show we got a spike up. We got a spike down, spike up. They were all over the place off of this inflation report. This is an intraday chart of the 10-year Treasury note interest rates. And um, for the moment, until it goes above phase up, up, up to about 4.1%, I think this is just noise and it's actually going lower in the next week or two. Um, might be a little bit different when I applied earlier this morning, but I can't rule out some stability. So this is an iffy uh, kind of thing of what's going on here. Interest rates impacting uh, the stock market. And the reason I say that is we dropped interest rates too far too fast relative to the Fed rates. And that was because a lot of people thought they might lower rates this quarter. And uh, and then even more thought as soon as like May, June, July. I'm at May, June for lowering interest rates, but some who uh, just recently moved up to March, others who are in the Jan, March, however, backed off. And then some see even more uh, interest rate cuts. 
I think it's just murky. I think it's too much speculation. And we'll just see what the Federal Reserve does at the end of the month. But I don't think they're going to cause a problem for my stock market forecast and not so much for interest rates. Frankly, I think interest rates should go lower into March, okay, or late Feb. But I don't think they could go lower like huge amounts. We've seen most of the decline and maybe we've seen all the decline, meaning it may move sideways into March. And we may run into a problem that can be higher here in February or something. But as long as it doesn't move up by huge amounts, I think the stock market people are, I'll say, clever enough to shrug it off saying there's nothing wrong with 4% interest rates for a very, very long time, forever. That's what we used to have. And that's what we wanted when we put interest rates down to zero. We said that was ridiculous. We wanted better interest rates in our savings accounts, okay? And so why complain now? of hanging on 4%. Why do we need to rush down? I don't think we're going to. So I see the Fed lowering from May into next year, and the free market rates will run ahead of that. So I don't think the free market rates will rally much now into uh, April or something like that because they want to stay ahead of the Fed. They still want to bet on lower rates, but at the moment they realize they kind of overdid it to the downside, and in this inflation report caused them some concern. If we can get the 10-year Treasury note to trade below 3.92%, uh, this week's low, which is actually a little higher than that, then I think we got a level two top, and I think they just ease back a road, eventually chop around, and I don't think that's going to cause a problem uh, for the stock market. Now, GDP is about 2.2 estimated by the Atlanta Fed for fourth quarter. I don't know when we're going to get the next update here, but I'm guessing soon of what is the official fourth quarter and therefore what is the official GDP for last year. And I think it's all going to come in quite well. We had a four and a half or something like that earlier last year, and then it dropped to 2.2 fourth quarter. That's normal and all constructive and good. My forecast for this year is we're going to have a good GDP. It'll probably be better than last year, but we'll still hold inflation down, maybe not as low as some would like, but I think we're going to hold it down. I think it looks good. And we'll keep interest rates stable and hold them down, if not lower and lower, into 2025. And to me, that gives us a two thumbs up that we have economic growth and we have good jobs. And buy, and therefore, the stock market's going higher. Also, keep in mind, wages-wise, it looks as though interest inflation has come down enough that it's now below what the wage increases were. But people aren't going to give back their wage increases unless they get laid off and then can't find a job paying that well, okay? So the bottom line is, and I've said this for a long time, sometimes higher inflation actually helps the middle class and poor, uh, specifically mid-middle class to poor, okay? And it actually can help a portion of the rich, or at least not hurt them. But in general, higher inflation, yes, over a long period of time when it's very high, it hurts everybody, uh, though some rich squeeze out of it, okay? But for the moment, this inflation run was transitory, whether you like it or not. And to me, that was an excuse to raise wages when a lot of people might have not got that increase and they deserved it and it rebalanced our economy. It was like this was meant to be. It's almost like somebody created it. Okay. And I realize that sounds a little conspiracy, but the point is it was due. It was to happen. I think the inflation was a positive thing overall. Now we need to erode it, calm it down, need to calm down the economy back to normal. And I think we got a healthy, healthy economy. And I think we got a healthy stock market, bull market. And if you're not a subscriber 
and I'm giving this for free, okay, you want to get on board here uh, with our analysis, you want to go to criticalpointpod.com to learn about myself. There's a page where you can sign up. There's a page that will take you to this site, so you can go directly to this site. This is the host of free and locked up subscription-based videos and audios, and it is mostly locked up. Sign up. You get about a two-week period before they'll start billing you on your credit card recurring, and so that gives you a chance to back out. But I think you're going to find you want to stick around for a few months, and the statistics of our subscribers suggest you stick around for a few months. You're going to be sticking around for a few years and you really want to stick around for this decade because we got a major bull market this decade, but then we could have a major bull uh, blowout and bad times uh, later this decade. And the model helped me and subscribers and followers and helped me personally tremendously in that 2020 recession, helped me in the, in the financial crisis in 2009 and 2010, and also helped me in the early 2000s recession. I used this the earliest as the early 2000s, but back testing shows it would have been very helpful all the way back to the 1929 crash, even the late 1800s. So get on board, join the journey, and go to criticalpointpod.com. Past results are not assigned indicative future results. I'm going to make this one a free update. So those of you who are already subscribers, please pass it on to others, as well as hopefully you find this information useful as supporting uh, ideas, evidence, news, information of what we did in this morning's weekly update for the stock market relative to the model output and forecast. Past results and understanding for results have great week. Thank you.